All right, everybody, welcome to BO Boys for Monday, January 17th. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And it is a holiday weekend, Pat. So that's why we're doing this a little bit later than usual. People are wrapping up their MLK weekends. And well, I would I wouldn't say we're doing it later than usual. I would say we're doing it on time for this particular weekend. Yes, for a holiday weekend, we are right on time. Yeah, and it's MLK weekend, big holiday weekend, big weekend for the box office. The box office did not take a holiday. They were they were not uh, observing any national holidays this week. And before we get into it, Clayton, before you plow, and I know you're dying to plow and say these numbers. I took it so a I big intake a, of air in order to do it. Keep sucking in that air. Give me give me a little bit before you plow. Just want to throw this out there. We never, ever tell the listeners to do anything. But I'm going to start the show by telling our wannabe-o boys, wannabe-o girls, wannabe-o people, people. to... And again, we've never done this, but it's time. Rate and review us on the podcast app that you're listening to us to. But actually, rate and review us specifically on Apple. That's the one that matters. Podchaser doesn't matter. Spotify, you hear a lot about it in the news, but it actually doesn't matter. Apple's the only one that matters. So go to Apple, give us five stars, write a couple of quick paragraphs about how great the BO boys are. And uh, that's all we're telling you to do. Other than one other thing you you could do, this isn't a command, this is a, uh, I'm just giving you a little advice. You could also listen to the B.O. Boys, myself and Clayton, guested on another episode of Get Rich Nick with Nick Turner, big comedy box office star, had a huge hit a couple of years ago with uh, Killer Raccoons, Dark Christmas in the Dark, and we're on the Get Rich Nick episode talking some more Golden Globes, more award season stuff, so listen to that. Rate and review us five stars. Clayton, are you ready to plow for this weekend? I've been ready. Go for it. Number one. We've got a new number one film. Scream. $30 million in its first weekend. Toppling. Spider-Man No Way Home, which is now at number two with $20.1 million, down 38%. It lost 87 theaters. It's at $698 million in its fifth frame. Number three, Sing 2, $7.9 million, down 31%. It lost 132 theaters. It's at $119 million in its fourth weekend. Number four, The 355, made $2.2 million, down 51%. It is staying at the same amount of theaters, and it is... At $8.3 million in its second weekend. Number five, The King's Man. $2.2 million, down only 31%. Lost 530 theaters. It is at $28.5 million in its fourth frame. And that is your top five for the weekend. Great plowing. So, of course, this is going to be a heavy scream episode. We got to talk about the new King, King Scream. But a couple of other things in this top 10, top five. What do we think of Kingsman? Number five, it's a 28.5 million, made another 2 million this week. I mean, my thought is Kingsman, again, it's a bomb, but it could have bombed so much worse. This is, this is exceeded a lot of low expectations. I think it's benefiting, and I think I've probably said this before, I think it's benefiting from being aimed at the same demo that is going to see Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. And so people are amped up from seeing Spider-Man No Way Home for the third time, and then they decide, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll just come back and see that Kingsman movie. That looks kind of cool as a a uh a palate cleanser, and then I can go back and see Spider-Man No Way Home one more time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like Spider-Man No Way Home, we've said, it's reminding a lot of people that movie theaters exist. And for a movie like The King's Man, that's a big deal. 
You know, people need to know that the Kingsman, uh, what types of buildings it's shown in. And Spider-Man is reminding people, oh, yeah, that building shows movies. And then Kingsman happens to be a movie, which is sometimes all you need is you just need to happen to be a movie. Yeah. Um, And then speaking of Spider-Man, after this weekend, it is now up to $698 million uh, in its domestic box office total, which currently has it at number five on the all-time domestic list. It is two million away from passing Black Panther to hit number four. I mean, that's going to happen any minute now. Probably by the middle of this week, it'll have passed Black Panther, definitely by next weekend. And then the next big one on its list, and probably the the last one Spider-Man can pass, is Avatar still at number three with seven hundred and sixty million? I mean, we both agree, right? It's got another sixty plus million left in it, Spider Man. So oh, it'll get to number three all time. It made twenty this weekend. Wow. Yeah, it's not. It it doesn't have a chance of Endgame. Endgame is at eight hundred fifty eight. So that would be another hundred and sixty million. It's too much. That's too much. But it's gonna. It's it. It is incredible you know i think clayton talk about you you were saying this to me this weekend because we try and save it for the mic but you know clayton and i do uh, know each other in real life and sometimes when we speak in real life it ends up being box office you were saying that the 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 thing the thing that you keep hearing out there is people say man spider-man is doing great for the the pandemic box office and, and and you think that's a crazy thing to say right oh uh, well i mean i i think what i was saying is that people are saying that this movie is a playing like a pre-pandemic film right that's what you said yes and the facts are this is an unprecedented film and uh, this is mm-hmm. a we're looking we're seeing it it black panther was a cultural event Mm -hmm. it's Mm going to pass that avatar for the longest time was the biggest film of all time it is going to pass that it has passed avengers infinity war it has passed titanic this is not just great for pre-pandemic times or pandemic times this is great for all time yes yeah. Now, now, is it great yeah. for the state of movies? That's, I mean, movies in general, that's a whole different question I don't think we're going to get into. But when we're talking about putting butts in the seats, putting dollars in the the coffers of theater owners, this is an un, one, one of the biggest, obviously, hits of all time. So when people say, oh, looks like we're back to pre-pandemic, this is, this, this thing is a unicorn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's yeah, yeah. I mean, we won't get into whether it is uh, good for the industry. I mean, it's definitely good for the industry. Again, it's reminding people movies exist. It's reminding people what what uh, uh, movie theater buttered popcorn tastes like. You know, get them get them hooked again. Something like Spider Man gets you hooked on the idea that you can't make popcorn at home the way they make it in the movie theater. And if all people do is go back to see. Kingsman or 355 strictly because of the 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 movie theater popcorn then then that's a win you know that that's Spider-Man helping out the little guy yeah and we're, um, and, we're and it's a product it's it's a it's a uh, a a product driven uh like I, I can't, I'm you know what I'm sorry I'm, I fuck it it's a raw feed the theaters are product driven, right? People go to see certain things and they will go when there's something they want to see. I mean, it is as yeah. simple as that. Everybody tries to make it so hard. It is not hard. Yes. It, is it hard to give people something they want? Yeah. I mean, sometimes. But when you look at something like Matrix Resurrections, Warner knew that's not what people wanted. And we're seeing no. that reflected. Matrix Resurrections down at number 10. In its fourth weekend, it's at $35.8 million. It made under a million dollars this weekend, 823000 
lost a ton of theaters. This is a film that the filmmakers and the money men were like, fuck it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can't be that way, right? It's you, you can't be that way because that is a, at this point, Matrix is a product. It's just a product like anything else. It's not art. Right. It's a product, right? It's toothpaste. It's Crest. It is. And it's like when I go to buy Crest, I don't want someone to say, you know what? The makers of Crest wanted to actually, you know, make a comment on toothpaste and they put a little shit in it. I'd say, mm -hmm. you know what? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to brush my teeth with shit because I wanted toothpaste. Right. And I know right. that sounds mercenary. That sounds capitalistic. But when we're talking about something like that, we're not talking about licorice pizza, huh? We're not talking no. about uh, a, a, a drive my car. We're not talking about Red Rocket. We're talking about a company paid a filmmaker to make a commercial film to make money. And it did it do it mm -hmm. yeah matrix resurrections at number 10 that's the opposite end of kingsman where again they're both bombs but matrix resurrections in the end has ended up being so much bigger of a bomb than anyone expected because even those weeks leading into the opening and we're going to get to scream we're going to get to the big hit soon but the weeks leading into the opening of matrix resurrections even on the low end people were thinking all right it's going to open on a Wednesday before Christmas, five-day. It might make as low as 30, 35 million in a five-day. It's at 35 million total after four weeks, which included two weeks of holiday play. So Matrix Resurrections isn't just a bomb, isn't just an underperformer. It is a incredibly staggeringly low underperformer for for what even the low expectations of that movie would have been. And now look, and oh sorry. Well I was gonna say you talk about movies being products and movies giving people what they wanted. Let's talk about the number one movie because I think this is an example of a movie that maybe didn't have the 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 clamor you gotta make another scream movie. There wasn't the you know, uh, it's it's not an MCU movie. It's not a Spider-Man sequel where people are just waiting for it. But there was definitely an audience for it, and it had to be good. It had to give people what they wanted. And you look at this box office. I think it clearly did. Yeah, thirty million in the three day, around thirty six for the four day. Which I mean, when we're talking, just to go back to Matrix really quickly, thirty six four day. That is more than Matrix has made in its whole entire run. Yep. And before we pat the producers of Scream on the back, because they deserve it, the filmmakers, the cast, everyone who put this together, they deserve some kudos. I think we should give ourselves a little kudos because right here on the show last week, my prediction for the opening weekend, the three-day opening weekend of Scream was $31 million, And it came in at... 30.04 million. So basically I nailed it, mm -hmm. you know, basically nailed it. And you then, after thinking you were starting low, you were teetering around 20 million. Yep. Then I was so convincing my, my, my spiel, you know, someone call it a rant. I call it a spiel was so convincing. You went up to 36 million for your prediction, which then ended up kind of being right. Cause you nailed the four day. I, I did say 35, but I, I do feel, yeah, yeah, like I feel like that's nailing it. It's nailing it. Yeah. Yeah. So we nailed it. This is a movie that definitely overperformed because, I mean, the expectations of this pretty much were those weeks leading up to it. All I kept seeing is people thinking it's going to finish in the high teens and maybe it hits 20. Well, and instead. Yeah, it ended up making as much as basically what Scream 2 made in 97, a year after, you know, when Scream was the hottest thing going and a couple of million less than what Scream 3 made in 2000 in its opening weekend. I mean, this is, I would say, an incredible success. Yeah, it's the biggest horror film 
of uh, that to be released uh, opening on Martin uh, Luther King uh, weekend. It beat out mm-hmm. Mama, and it sits now with the three day opening as the tenth largest, right behind Paul Blart Mall Cop at thirty one. That was a 2009 opening. Of course, the number one okay. for MLK weekend is American Sniper when it opened wide in its fourth weekend and made $89.2 million. Jeez. So Scream was never going to touch that. I mean, 89, point mil, 89 million opening weekend. That's That 89 million is about the high end of what everyone hopes Scream makes total. But um, also, number two, just to give us a blast from the past... Bad Boys for Life, $62.5 million in January seventeenth, twenty twenty. Wow. Is this weekend now, you know, obviously twenty January twenty twenty one is a is doesn't really count as anything. But you're looking at Scream Five this weekend made a huge opening weekend on MLK weekend. Bad Boys for Life did a huge opening weekend MLK in January 2020. Is MLK weekend going to start to be looked at? This is when you do your reboots or 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 long-awaited sequels to a dormant franchise. Well, it's 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 interesting you say that because the number 4 right behind right along is Glass, okay. which opened January 18th, 2019, opened to $40.3 million, which is the culmination of M. Night Shyamalan's ca- uh, on, on, what is that? What was the movie? Well, it's, it's Unbreakable and then yes. Split and then Glass is the third movie in that series. Wow. So MLK Weekend is when you do your, you know, not your first sequel, not your number two. But your three, four, or fives of a franchise that started a long time ago. It's a really specific type of thing that people want in the middle of January. I mean, it seems to be in the last, like you said, three years, four years, not counting that 2021, that mm. it's... It, that something like that happened. And so it could be that trend. This could be the new new thing for this weekend. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is definitely a trend. Three out of four is a trend. And honestly, again, I'd say this is three in a row because you can't count January 2021. Mm -hmm. So this is three years in a row that MLK Weekend has been the launching pad for a big opening weekend for a late-in-the-series sequel for a franchise. I think if you're the movie studios, you better jump on this weekend next year for your part five of something, you know, and I, I don't know what that would be. Maybe if there's a third gremlins movie that's, that's in production, you jump on that for MLK 2020, what is next year? 2023. Um, but that, that is definitely something people want. It's the doldrums of January. Everyone's cold. Everyone's sad. And they want something familiar to get them out of the house. Yeah, I mean, Scream... So, we're not going to talk spoilers. No, we're not going to talk plot spoilers, no. Scream is heavy... It can be heavily spoiled, and we're not doing that. Of course, we're not critics. But we are Scream fans. Mm -hmm. I would say that, for myself personally, Scream is my favorite movie franchise next to the Jackass film. So these coming mm-hmm. these these this month and next month this is this is a, a great time for me. As Do you a, consider the Godfather trilogy a franchise or or do you not consider it a franchise? And if you do consider a franchise, do you just put it behind Jackass and Scream? Yeah, because three, I mean, three is, again, we're not critics, but I... We're not critics. And also, I never rewatch the Godfather movies. I just don't. Right, 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 right. So... Right, right. and we've we've never seen a Godfather movie in a movie theater the way we've seen all the Screams and all the Jackass movies. So it's, yeah. Yeah, so... so, As a a franchise, it's middling at best. 
And it's, yeah, is it, I mean, does it put me in a high-class, arty group of people? No. But listen, I'm a Joe Lunchpail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm salt of the earth. I mean, I'm a, I'm right. a, I'm a, I'm a coastal elite now, but right. I was born barefoot. Yeah. You were born an earth dog. Mm-hmm. You know, that that is the demo that you would have been uh, uh, put into in the in the nursery. I was a plain you billy. You would have been an earth dog baby. Yeah, you I was were a plain billy. billy. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, I, I'm not, when it comes to films, I call them movies. And so my favorite mm-hmm. movies are the Scream movies and the Jackass films. Mm-hmm. I, I call mm-hmm. the Jackass movies films because they're high art. Right. But I think, personally... That they nailed this film, mm-hmm. and I think that fans like myself and other fans that I've talked to, you being one, really enjoyed this movie and thought that the the baton had been passed to yep. uh, the radio silence guys from mm-hmm. Wes Craven, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, R.I.H. Rest in Horror. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what drove this film to making the kind of money it did because it it did way better than than four. It's pretty equivalent to two and three. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is maybe a movie that hardcores went out to, and then you know they've all been talking about Scream Five, Scream Five, Scream, Scream Five. They're going to get some people that might not be hardcores mm-hmm. to go see this film and say, listen, I know I'm a maniac, mm-hmm. but I can look past my extreme mania to say this is a good film and you don't have to see any of the other screams to enjoy it. I do think you see Scream 1. Who hasn't seen Scream 1? If you haven't seen Scream 1 by now, you're not going to go see Scream 2022. Mm-hmm. So if you're somebody who's seen that before and and you can jump right into this film and I think that in my opinion they did right by the fans and so this is a film that could have fans going back several times which is something that I don't think anybody did with 3 or 4. Well yeah, I mean we talked a little about it last week and again pat myself on the back. I think we nailed it that Scream 4 which came out in 2011, just came out too soon to capitalize on being a nostalgia play. Mm-hmm. You know, Scream 4 came out 2011, came out 11 years after the first one came out, or, or 11 years after the third one came out, 15 years after the first. And that was just too soon for the fans of the first one to feel like they really miss Scream or that they were in a stage in their life where they really wanted to look backwards. But this one coming out 2022, which is now 26 years after the first one, is the perfect time where the the, the teenagers and kids of the 90s are dying to look backwards. And Clayton, me and you saw this in the movie theater together. And we looked at each other and we said, this is our... Star Wars. Yes. Scream is our Star Wars. Scream is the thing. Because I went and I would see all those Star Wars prequels and sequels in the theater. And, you know, I'm always moved by a packed house of people and and seeing money being exchanged and seeing big box office. But the movies themselves, the Star Wars sequels themselves, never gave me that juice. You know, I was sitting there and... Either Han Solo's going to live or Han Solo's not going to live. Luke Skywalker's going to live or he's not. Some people, a lot of people cared. I never did. But watching the Scream movie, this was my Star Wars. And I do think that there is a generation of people who this was their Star Wars. You know, not an entire generation, but a, a you you carve out a segment of this generation with a knife. And for that carved out segment, Scream was their Star Wars. And this was the perfect time to bring it back. Now, here's the thing that... So we're looking at the demos here. Mm-hmm. Guys leading 53%. 67 of those people were between 18 to 34. 
Mm-hmm. 58% were over 25. 80% of the people who saw this film were under 34. Wow. So, so th- it, that is it positive, It wasn't just though, a nostalgia. Because, yeah, that's good. It's good that this isn't just a nostalgia play, that this is a film that younger people wanted to see who might have a limited knowledge, or I'm sure they've probably seen them all. Like, kids have the ability to search online, online mm-hmm. find what they want, you know, things like that. We didn't have when we were right. kids. Right. 46% Caucasian, 33 Latino Hispanic, 11% black, and 5% Asian. And I think the thing with this film, horror movies drop. Mm-hmm. But see, these are the thing with the Scream movies is that they're also a narrative film. They have yep. a set of characters that are the same from film to film. The the older people are taking the oldsters are taking less risks to go to the theater. They're hesitant. I think when they see this box office, they read the reviews because this is a well-reviewed film. Mm-hmm. They will make the pilgrimage, and we could see this film maybe having a very good hold because the oldsters are going to say, "You know what? It's not on Paramount Plus, and good, good on you, Paramount. Good on you, oh, Paramount, it's... for not putting that on Paramount Plus." We we haven't clapped in a while. I'm I'm calling right now. Let's do a clap for Paramount not putting this movie day and date on Paramount Plus. Ready? Yes. Because because what that's great job. What great job. What that's going to do is that's going to get the oldsters out this week, Mm -hmm. next weekend, and and I think that's great. And you know what? If you want to shorten the window, go ahead and shorten the window. I mean, again, I think maybe you'd want to have this window a little bit wider now that everything has fleed. Uh, you yes. know, uh, Morbius isn't coming out at the end of this month. You're not really going to have a big – you have your next big movie coming out, Jackass Forever, on uh, early February. You know, I think that definitely, like, if you keep this exclusive for a, a few more weeks – then you're going to get every bit of juice out of mm-hmm. this berry. I, I, if I'm Paramount, there is no way I even shorten this window. This is one because, like you said, the, the runway is so long. You know, there's Jackass the first week in February. There's uh, Marry Me, the J-Lo movie. That's also going to be Peacock Day and Date. In the middle of February, there's... Death on the Nile, the doomed Murder on the Orient Express sequel comes out in the middle of February. But it really is from now until the Batman comes out the first week in March, there are not a lot of big other movies that are going to be coming out. So Scream could really rack up the bucks for the next six weeks. And if I'm Paramount, listen, this isn't this isn't a kid's movie. I get the idea when they put the kids' movies on day and date early or they put them on VOD early, the whole thing as well, you don't want to force families to go out if they're worried and there's no vaccination for the little kids. Screen movies aren't aren't that. You know, if you don't want to go out to see the theater, then you wait a while until it's on TV. I don't think Paramount has a moral obligation to get Scream to people at home soon. And honestly... You got to go in the next few weeks or else you're going to get spoiled. So I I would say leave this window. Let this rack up the bucks. Let the oldsters get to it in the next few weeks. Because I do agree. I think it's such a great sign that so many young people went this first weekend. Because that means those oldsters, they're going to go eventually. And if they haven't been the ones who packed that $30 this first weekend... They might be the ones who let this make high teens in the second weekend. I mean, that's the you hope. Know? But then, you know, worst case scenario, we don't like to say the sky is falling, the sky is falling, but we do want to prepare for all mm-hmm. eventualities is that mm-hmm. we are we are now seeing then if next weekend the oldsters don't come out for this, then mm-hmm. we are 100 percent a youth driven market now. Yes. Yes. Because. I think 
Again, Paramount Plus, great job not putting this on your streamer because the oldsters would have all watched it Thursday night. Yep. So they didn't get spoiled because we were talking about it too. We we were thinking it was freezing this weekend. Freezing. In, freezing. And in, it, in 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 New York, coastal elites, it was freezing. Arctic you know, I'm cold. Sure in, the, in the Arctic winds. You know, the, and for young people, they don't give two turds that it's Arctic winds. They'll run around no. without a coat. They don't care. These 18-year-olds, these 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 youngins, they don't care. Because no, they, I mean, they, listen, and, and I'm not saying this as a this is a, a compliment. The drugs that they are on, they can't feel the cold. They can't feel the heat. They can't feel the cold. So extreme weather doesn't affect them. Different for the oldsters, we're not on the same drugs. We're on prescription drugs, which don't give us the sort of weather imperviousness that the youngsters have. And with us, every chill reminds us that that icy touch of death is not too mm-hmm. far away. Right. So we right. don't like to right go out the in the cold when we don't have to. No. And no. so I think you know, next weekend, if it's a little bit warmer, it's not going to be Arctic chill. These oldsters might come out and see this film, mm-hmm. but we would have mm-hmm. stayed. I mean, we said we would have stayed in and probably watched this on Paramount Plus if it dropped just because it's too cold. Yep. And I, I again, we applauded Paramount before Paramount. I applaud you for not giving me the chance to just stay home and watch this on Paramount Plus. Yeah. You forced me into the cold into the painful cold that reminds me of impending death. And I thank you for that. That is the right thing to have done. Forcing us oldsters on our prescription drugs that don't allow us to not feel the weather. We feel it. Forcing us to go out into that cold was the right thing to do. And it's clear it's the right thing to do because this movie made $36 million in a four-day. It made, again, as much as the... Big original Scream sequels made. I mean that that is that is mind blowing to see that in twenty twenty two, this movie opened to basically the same number that Scream two opened in ninety seven, with Nev Campbell and Sarah Michelle Gellar and Courtney Cox still on Friends and a, a cast that was, you know, in the zeitgeist. One other thing to mention about Scream that I think is a big factor in why it did so well is they did mix in a new younger cast with the legacy stars. So you had Courtney Cox and Neff Campbell and Arquette coming back. But I'm looking at on Deadline, they talk about the social media activation. And you had these new actors, Dylan Minnette. 8 million followers. Jenny Ortega, 6.8 million followers. Melissa Barrera, over a million followers. So these young cast members, they brought the TikTok audience. They brought the Instagram live followers. And that's what you got to do. You got to mix the legacy stars with the younger ones who are on the good drugs and have big social media followings. And that's why people will go. Well, I mean, it's it's you know this isn't a spoiler, but in the movie, there's a character who mentions something called a requel, which is mm-hmm. just what you said: legacy plus new characters. I think you look at something like Ghostbusters Afterlife, a film that we both abhorred, and I do think there's a contingent of Ghostbusters fans. I wouldn't count us as those, but there are hardcore Ghostbusters fans who loved it and hardcore ones mm-hmm. who hated it. But mm-hmm. it's. It's at number 11 right now, still going strong at $126 million in its ninth, ninth weekend. Mm-hmm. And there's this movie resonated with people, certain types of people, with that requel formula. Yeah. so It's, it's a great formula. I mean, you know, I mentioned it before as a franchise, but, you know, there was in our lifetime, there's been a lot of talk. You know, Godfather 3 came out in 1990, and since then there's always been talk of making a fourth one, making a fourth one. And if you ever made something like a fourth Godfather, which 
I'm not talking about these just as films. These were box office hits. The mm-hmm. first two Godfathers were genuine, huge box office hits at the time. And if you ever made a fourth Godfather and you wanted it to be a big hit, you kind of have to use the requill formula and you bring back Al Pacino as uh, as Michael Corleone. You figure out how to do that. You bring back Diane Keaton as Kay. You bring back Robert Duvall as, uh, what was he, Tommy? What was his name? And you bring, he's the conciliary. You bring back Robert Duvall. You bring back the legacy stars. But then you mix in the younger stars who have big social media follower followings. Mm-hmm. You know, your Dylan Minnette's, your Jenna Ortega's, your Melissa Barrera's. You work them into this Godfather requel where... Well, the Italian equivalents. Right, right, right. You find young Italian actors with huge social media followings, uh, you know, uh, on the the pizza app, whatever, whatever it is that. And I could say something like that because I'm Italian American. So I could say that, you know, we must have our own proprietary pizza and meatball type app on there where you, you know, you don't have followers, you have meatballs. And you find a young, a batch of young Italian American actors, and, and you, you, not even listen. Godfather, there it's well, you got to diversify. So you go across all ethnicities. You find young actors to mix in there into the Godfather franchise, and you do a requel. And you have Al Pacino, and you have the young uh, uh, TikTok stars who act as you know, young Godfather or whatever. And that would be how you make a hit out of a franchise like that. That's the way it's the app, the Ghostbusters afterlife scream five formula. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so I think we will, there's a possibility we might have a bonus mm-hmm. episode where we're talking scream, talking the movie, talking spoilers, yep. talking deep, deep Easter eggs. Mm hmm. I mean, I don't want to promise anything, but it's a possibility. If it doesn't happen, don't hold us to it. But, so we're not going to get into any of those kind of spoilers, but I think we're good with Scream Talk. Yeah, we we nailed it. Great opening weekend. We nailed it uh, in our predictions, and that was very satisfying. And great job to everyone at Paramount for opening this as high as they did. This is a genuine hit. And again, it shows people will go to the movies if there is good product out there. And before we look to next weekend, which has some real thin soup, I'm just going to do some quick hits uh, in the top 10. I think this is a nice thing that we should maybe start doing just like quick hits of info. Sure. And when I'm done, maybe if there's anyone you want to comment on, let me know. Sure. But number six was Bell, which was a Japanese cartoon film that opened at only 1,326 theaters, made $1.6 million. We also have Licorice Pizza, which has still not opened completely wide at number nine. It made 882000 down only 10%, still only at 772 theaters. But it's almost at $10 million in its eighth weekend. 9.5. Mm-hmm. That's not too shabby. And then the last one, number 12, the number 12 film in the country is House of Gucci, made 756000 And we're seeing some blue here, some positive percentage movement here, plus 23%, added 700 theaters. And it's now at $51 million after its eighth wow. weekend. So, I mean, I'll, the one I'll point out there, House of Gucci... Adding theaters, going up in box office in its eighth week. And I think we got to attribute that to House of Gucci got a bunch of SAG nom nom noms last week. It mm-hmm. got uh, Jared Leto, got a supporting actor nom nom nom. Lady Gaga got a best actress nom nom nom. And House of Gucci got the best ensemble nom nom nom, which for the SAG Awards is the equivalent of, of them giving out best picture. And, you know, those nom nom noms got a lot of play. And I think what we're seeing here is this is our first 
positive effect of award season. You know, House of Gucci is getting that that mythical award season bump. And if it could hold on and get itself to that first week in February, and if House of Gucci ends up getting a Best Picture nom 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 from the Oscars, and Lady Gaga gets hers, and maybe Leto or Al Pacino getting supporting actor, House of Gucci really could make a couple of extra bucks in the next couple of months if it if it gets those Oscar nom nom noms. And there's no reason not to keep it in theaters until that point. Right. Just have right. it playing because you're not getting much more product, as we'll see very shortly with the two films mm-hmm. that are, quote unquote, opening wide this weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it's 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 nice to see that these awards, the award season could still give a little bit of a boost to these movies. And how Gucci at 51 million is the rare movie this year of just being a adult drama with movie stars that has made money. It's not IP. It's not superhero. It's not a sequel. It's not a requel. It's not a horror movie. It's just movie stars talking to each other uh, with accents. And you want to see that genre of movie still be able to do well. Yeah. Imagine it was better. Yeah. And how well it would have yeah. done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good, good little, little numbers for House of Gucci, but I think it's time to look ahead, Clayton. Yes. And like you said, this weekend is, uh, as you copyright, Thin Soup. And so I'm going to throw out, I'll, I'll highlight one of the movies. There's two big, two, again, movies coming out this weekend. Let me throw one of them out there, uh, right now. And that is a movie called... The King's Daughter is coming out this weekend, and it stars Pierce Brosnan, and it's basically a a Little Mermaid type tale. Um, it oh my god, is this true? I'm looking at the Wikipedia for this movie. This can't be true. That this movie was shot in 2014. I mean, you that watched the trailer. Wikipedia we watched the trailer. Saying. In the hallway before the show, you did watch, mm-hmm. and it looks like it could have been shot that long ago. This is ins- I a movie that was shot in 2014 based on a 1997 novel, and it's basically about Pierce Brosnan as a king in France looking to be immortal, and his plan to be immortal is he's going to, I guess, uh, uh. uh uh, romance a mermaid and thereby take her life force and then his daughter discovers his plan and she tries to mess it up that's that's the 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 idea of this movie shot in 2014 pierce brosnan's got very long hair in this um i'm assuming a wig but maybe he was able to grow it out eight years ago i don't know um william hurt is in this movie i mean Everyone, as far as I could tell, who's listed in the cast of this movie is still alive. If someone in the cast was dead, I feel like that would be a giveaway that this may have been shot a long time ago. But Pierce Brosnan's alive. Julie Andrews is alive. William Hurt is alive. And the rest of these names, I actually don't know. So there could be someone who died six years ago um, who was in this cast. I I honestly don't. I can't confirm uh the life status of everyone in this cast list. There's got to be some extras who have passed. Right, right. Um, so yeah, this is a movie coming out. It's listed on the numbers as a quote-unquote wide release. I can't imagine this is produced by Gravitas Films, which is a production company whose logo you see a lot when you really do deep dives into streamers. You know, when you're going... 48th down a list on Hulu or Amazon Prime. That's when you start to see Gravitas Ventures uh, logo pop up in front of movies. So when they say wide release, I would be surprised if that's... Do we think this is a movie that gets out in a thousand theaters this weekend? I mean, if if it says it's wide on the numbers, which they're always great with that, 
you would mm-hmm. think it's got to be at least at that level. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I got to think this won't will not make the top five. Wow, I so just don't know. The, I've seen no commercials for it. Here is the production history of this movie. So it was in fact filmed and wrapped in May 2014. Paramount Pictures at the time owned it, and then the release date was April 2015. And then just three weeks before the film was due for wider release, Paramount canceled without specifying a future release date. A source close to the film claimed that more time was needed to complete the special effects work. The film was retitled The King's Daughter. It was acquired uh, at the 2020 Con Virtual event. So this was a movie that was acquired at Con when Con was just doing everything over Zoom. So that is that's an interesting way of sneaking a movie into into Con is to show it over Zoom. Um. And then it was announced that Gravitas Ventures acquired distribution rights to the film. And then the release date is indeed this Friday, January 21st. So this is a movie that was completed almost eight years ago. What a different planet that was. Wow. Wow. I'm going to guess Pierce Brosnan is not doing much promotion for this movie that he filmed eight years ago. William Hurt might do promotion for it because, I mean, why not? But I I don't think there's any way these producers are going to be able to get Piers Brosnan to go on James Corden to do a, a, a backseat karaoke for this thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think this film is probably DOA... And if there was if there was any sort of big film opening this coming weekend, we probably wouldn't have even spoken about it. But I'm glad that we dug into it because that is fascinating for a film to sit that long on a shelf. Wow. And getting that a is... wide release. I mean, but you know what? The theater needs product, but I really doubt that's the type of product that they're looking for. Yeah, I mean, right now you got movie theaters that are just begging for product they're they're dying for the for for big new movies they're dying for new movies they could put posters up for but even the most struggling barren movie theater that that has been hit hardest by this pandemic and, and all the movies being pushed out i feel like if you're a movie theater owner and they're throwing king's daughter at you filmed eight years ago it's a pierce brosnan mermaid movie that was made uh, uh, almost a decade ago. Even that theater owner has to be like, "Come on, what do you get?" This is like, this is basically, and I'm saying this because we 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 were flipping through TV this weekend. I hate to talk about TV, but I think this is an exception. We we're flipping through TV, Clayton, and we caught an old Seinfeld, and it was the muffin tops episode where. Everyone likes the top of a muffin, but no one wants the stumps. And King's Daughter is basically giving these movie theater owners the stump of a muffin. Yeah. That's so true. They're like, what, we're not good enough for the top? You think we'll eat anything? Right, right. That was a classic line in that mm-hmm. episode. And it it rings true when you're seeing Gravitas Ventures try and pass off the King's Daughter as new product. The New only product. thing that How ca- many iPhones ago was this movie filmed? 2014? At least at least 6 to 7 versions of an iPhone. You probably back then in 2014 had iPhones that only had a camera on one side. Oh, I I still had a 5. You still had a five, but you were you were out of date then. Probably. I was out of date then, so so right. yeah, right, right. Twenty fourteen pre TikTok, people were using Snapchat and getting Snapchat uh, 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 
dish, you know, TV deals or Snapchat deals to make content 2014. Mm-hmm. That's that's the world we were living in. Yeah. I mean, some people would say it was a better time. I mean, I'm sure the 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 people working on the general's daughter or or the king's daughter, they must have enjoyed that time. They were out in Australia filming what they thought was going to be a huge blockbuster mermaid movie. And instead, their mermaid movie is opening eight years later to uh, tumbleweeds. Well, you we know, assume. I mean, I've heard nothing about this movie. You've, if you have a big mermaid movie, you gotta you gotta let people know about it because it's not the type of thing people are going to Google. They're not going to wake up on a Friday and say, "Is there a new mermaid movie coming out? Let me Google that and see. And if there is, I'll go." No, you have to tell them that there's a mermaid movie opening. And, and good on Pierce Brosnan for not having any sort of co- like insane controversy. Mm-hmm. For the last eight years, that would make mm-hmm. this unreleasable. It is a rare person in Hollywood that can have a film on a shelf for eight years and something dastardly doesn't happen to completely make them unmarketable. Right, right, right. So this is—I right. mean, this is a this is this kind of shows. And listen, tomorrow uh, something could drop. But I could I could be mentioning this and someone could listen because we, we have a lot of Hollywood insiders that listen. And then, you know, it could become this whole Reddit thread and a, a Des Moines, whatever that Instagram uh, gossip person starts talking about how bad of a person he is. But right now, as of this moment, as we're recording, I'm impressed with Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, he stayed clean as a whistle the, the whole eight years that. The King's Daughter has been on the shelf. And you could just, I mean, you you look at it. How many big name actors who, if you were trying to release today, I mean, listen, imagine, imagine the King's Daughter and the King had been played by Kevin Spacey and they filmed that in 2014. And you're trying to release that now in January 2022. Gravitas Ventures would have a, a, a huge problem on their hands. But luckily for them, it was Pierce Brosnan as the king, and he's as clean as he was back then. Yeah, it's 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 the one, it's the one sort of positive, the one bright light for this movie is that their cast has remained clean or has disappeared from uh from any public notoriety i mean i think that's also what has happened probably with a good number of the people involved in this movie is that they just never made it so are there there are probably no longer personalities you know you have pierce brosnan william hurt rachel griffith but then there's probably a lot of people who made this movie and, and now they're you know they're plumbers they're accountants they're whatever and they are like oh my god they're releasing that movie I made back when I was an actor and you know now I'm a I'm a I'm a bodyguard or whatever. So that's a lot of talk for a film that is really going to make no impact on the box office. Do we want to say the name then of just the other movie that is also opening in quote unquote wide release but is also not really going to be well, Pat, that wide. While you were researching, see this is what we do here. While mm-hmm. we were while you were researching that film. I was researching the second wide release, Redeeming Love. Okay. And that is a universal film release. And it is being co-produced by a company called P- Pinnacle Peak Pictures, which also put out a movie that was a pretty substantial hit at the box office, God's Not Dead in 2014. Wow. It is also based on a book by Francine Rivers, who is a pretty big author, and a few other producers on this film also did a movie from 2018 called I Can Only Imagine, which was a movie that opened to $17 million and made $83 million domestic. 
Wow. I mean, Gods Are Not Dead in 2014 made $9 million in its opening weekend, made $60 million in its total. So they make hits. Also, Gods Are Not Dead opened in 2014, which is when principal filming was completed for The King's Daughter. So I just want to remind people of that. Tie it all together. Now, this is a Christian film. Mm-hmm. So the we have seen that this is an underserved market. Yep. And they mobilize. And so my thought they with do. this is Redeeming Love is going to be in the top five. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I'm looking at the top ten from just this past weekend, and a thing that always sticks out is American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story, which is a soft religious movie. It's a sports movie that also has enough religious in it to get the churches to mobilize some buses and go out. That movie has made $21 million in four weeks. It is a modest success. So, yeah, the religious uh, a sector, you know, it, it's not as strong as, as the youth sector or the, the comic book fan sector at the movie theaters, but it definitely is there. Yeah, so I have a feeling that this film... Let's go ahead and talk about our top fives here. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and do mine. Give me your top five. Scream number one. Mm-hmm. Of course, mm-hmm. Spider-Man No Way Home number two. Sing two, number three. Mm-hmm. Redeeming Love, number four. Okay. And The King's Man... Number five. Now, here, here's, here's the thing, though, real quick. There's a possibility that mm-hmm. Spider-Man will co- go back to number one. Yeah, it could. So looking at, uh, looking at Scream and Spider-Man at the top, Scream made $30 million in the three days. Spider-Man made $20 million. If Scream has a 60% drop, Right, if Scream has a sixty percent drop, that means it makes eighteen million next weekend. Mm-hmm. No, that means it makes twelve million. I'm sorry. That means a sixty percent drop would be twelve million. A fifty percent drop would be fifteen. Forty percent drop would be eighteen. So, do we think Scream is going to drop that much? Do we think Scream will drop sixty percent and end up at twelve million for the weekend? I, I think it does. So I'm going to do a swap here. I'm going to say Spider-Man, yeah. No Way Home, number one, Scream, number two, Sing, number three, Redeeming okay. Love, number four, and then Kingsman, The Kingsman, number five. I think that's the way I'm, to go. Because uh, Spider-Man is just a steamroller. It's nothing against Scream. It's a steamroller. I'm going to go more optimistic on Scream and think it drops 50%. Because like we said, the the youngsters went this past opening weekend. Oldsters went to some degree. I think the oldsters might start creeping out a little bit more this weekend. It's not going to be as painful cold so that, you know, it's not going to hurt the arthritis of the oldsters, which again is people, anyone who's older than 32 years old. So I think they're going to come out. Scream will make 15 million or so. That'll be number one. I think Spider-Man is going to start to dip to the low teens, maybe 13, 14 million. So I think Scream just nudges it out. So I'll go Scream 1, Spider-Man 2, Sing 2, 3. I agree Redeeming Love is number four and Kingsman 5. What do you think Redeeming Love makes opening weekend? I mean, do we think Redeeming Love makes like four million? Because... If it makes if it makes four or five million, it could actually end up number three. Yeah, it's true. Like I think it could make. I think it could make. You, you're right. I mean, it could. It could topple. Sing. I, you know, I what did Underdog make in its opening? Uh, it made, let's see, it made in its opening weekend. I'm going to bet it made about $7 million in its it, opening it ma- weekend. It looks like it made 5 Okay, so it made 5 and that was Christmas weekend. So it would be surprising if Redeeming Love 
made as much as American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story, which did have at least Kurt Warner as a known figure. And it was during and football it's a sports season. Movie. Yeah. I yeah, I think this makes I think this makes around four something. Okay. Um the thing the one thing I'll say about redeeming love that could be a problem for it is it yes, it is a religious movie. Mm-hmm. But we watched the trailer and it is a romantic movie in which the trailer had a lot of risque stuff. Yeah, it's sexy. You know, you know, this is not Sliver. This is not uh, Showgirls. This is not Basic Instinct. But there was Color some, of Night. It's not Color of Night. It's not Jade. But this is a movie, Redeeming Love, where the trailer had some kissing. A or proposal. the hint of... Right. And the poster for it has an embrace in which they're really, they're looking like it's going to happen soon. And I don't know if that's the type of religious movie that gets the churches to mobilize the buses, gets them to buy the group tickets, you know, buy out an entire AMC. Maybe, maybe, maybe it does. But I, I feel like it's usually the movies that are the ones that say, uh, that are that are not about romance. They're more about saying, you know, Jesus walks amongst us and he cured a sick kid or, you know, whatever. Those are the religious movies I think really pop at the box office. So we'll see if a romantic religious movie could pop. It definitely had a lot of, there was crosses in it. They did some almost kissing, but they also touched a lot of crosses. So I think that helps. Yeah, that definitely helps. If you touch a crotch, you got to touch a cross. That's what they used to say when I mm-hmm. went to Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know if it's and different you know for Christians. Yeah, I mean, hopefully the producer of this movie has heard that saying. Um, it seemed like he did because the trailer definitely did have a cross for every crotch. So, you know, maybe maybe that saying is is spread beyond uh, the the plain Billy origins that you had. Now, one thing, and we got to go, but gotta go. The, one of the reasons why I, I would say Spider-Man has a chance here is because it is gunning for Avatar, mm-hmm. and the fanboys know it. Mm-hmm. And Avatar and Marvel, I know this is Sony, but it's it's ostensibly a Marvel movie. This still represents Marvel as a body, an MCU. Mm-hmm. This is an MCU movie, even if it's a, if it's a Sony Spidey movie, right? Mm-hmm. Cameron re-released Avatar to try and beat out Endgame. Mm-hmm. And then Endgame did it, and then they're going back and forth and going back and forth. And now they were doing that for their international releases and stuff, so I know that's not specifically domestic. But I do think that the fanboys are going to see this and think, mm-hmm. we need this to beat Avatar. Mm-hmm. So there might be a whole group that come out after it beats Black Panther and says, this is for Avatar. This is, we're gunning for Avatar. We're going to get this to 760 domestic. And that could be the bump that Spider-Man needs to stay at number one. Yeah, I agree. I think that is going to happen in that the the Marvel comic book fanboys are going to mobilize online in the streets you know in the pamphlets and wherever it is they speak to each other and they're going to make a concerted push at the box office to get it past avatar i just think it's a little early i don't think that mobilization happens this weekend because right now it's just going to be getting over 700 or early 700s it's going to be passing black panther that seems like a mobilization that you're going to start to hear about maybe next weekend or even the weekend after. But okay. I, I don't, I, I, I agree though. I think that's a great uh, uh, observation that they will mobilize, you know, that they are going to be uh, uh, buying tickets out of, I mean, you could say spite out of pride, whatever. They're going to be buying those tickets with a purpose, but they probably won't start yet. Yeah, a spite and pride, it can be a cocktail of both. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right, Pat. Well, I think we did it. So where can they find us? Email us at the Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you are going to be seeing Redeeming Love, whether it's by yourself or on a church bus. Let us know if you're going to be seeing The King's Daughter um, and whether it's you've actually let us know if you've actually seen any promotion for that. Yes, movie. that's the and big also one. Let, let us know if you happen to be a listener who was an actor eight years ago on The King's Daughter and you're no longer an actor, and now you're you're up to something else. Send us an email. Let us know what you're up to, what your new career path is. I'd love to know. If you're like uh, a long haul us... truck driver, yeah, let us know. And and just we love getting emails from our fans, from our want to be old boys, want to be old girls, want to be old people. people. Got uh, a great. I'll highlight this this one part of a great email that we got from Reed this past week. To wrap up about Scream, told us, he goes, funny Scream story. I saw Scream 2 opening night at a small family Indiana theater. They ran the, the the trailers like usual. Then they cut the projector. People started screaming. And then maybe 30 seconds later, they turned the lights on. And Ghostface was running up and down the aisles for a few minutes. Then he ran out the back and the movie started. Very entertaining. So that was an email from Reed. And that right there is an example of only at the movies, only at the movies. You know what? I love that. Reed, Reed, you got nerves of steel, my man, because I would have plotsed. But Mm -hmm. I do think if you want to email us with your most amazing theater going experiences, the best movie you ever saw, the, the best movie experience you've ever had. Right. The scariest experience you've ever had at the theater the most R-rated experience you've ever had at the theater. You know, be, don't be crass. Mm-hmm. Don't be crass. Right. You know, right. you don't have to tell us everything, but you can allude right. to things. Right. Tell us enough. Tell us enough to get hard, but not to feel bad about it. Right. Right. And so I think that'd be fun. Do that if you if you want to. You want to be O boys, want to be O girls, and want to be O people. People. Um, so yeah, email us the boboyspodcast at gmail.com. Like I said at the top of the show, rate review us on Apple Podcasts, five stars, and give us a couple of paragraphs about why we're great. And listen to us on the latest episode of Get Rich Nick, which is another podcast that plays on another podcast channel. Yes. And I think that's all, Pat. I don't think there's anything left to say. No. Except for until next time. We'll smell you at the...